Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. If you're looking for an easy way to keep advancing your career, your skills, and your opportunities, consider becoming an Adweek Pro member. As an Adweek Pro member, you'll get unlimited access to Adweek content. You'll also be invited to member-only events, classes, and networking opportunities. Your employer might even cover the cost of your membership. Visit adweek.com slash subscribe to learn about our current special rate for new Adweek Pro members. That's adweek.com slash subscribe. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. And I'm Ko Im. I'm the community editor at Adweek. And what a week, another week. But this week, uh, we announced Adweek's Creative 100 for 2020. A Creative 100 is now in its sixth year, and we are really honored um, to have two of this year's honorees as our special guests. David, can you uh, introduce our guests and tell us a little bit more about how Creative 100 works and honors the work that has been done so far this year? Absolutely, and always great to be with you, Co. And uh, it's uh, first, uh, I, I want to just uh, tell all everyone listening. Um, that uh, we hope you're we hope you're well we hope you're you're safe and that this has been a really powerful week week more than a week um and that the the outpouring of of i, I guess i would say conversation in in our in the community and the the folks we talk to every day in the industries we cover uh, has been really amazing to be part of. Uh, sometimes it's frustrating when it doesn't move more quickly, but we're going to get into a lot of that today. And it really made me, We the Creative 100 is, as you can imagine, it's a lot of work to put together 100 of the most creative people, mostly in America, some are global. But uh, yeah, I, this is a project I've been I've been leading for about, uh, well, for the six years uh, since we launched it. No, one, no name is ever repeated twice. Uh, so once you're on it, you are on it forever. Um, but that helps make sure that we're representing uh, really new upcoming and, and people who are very relevant in the moment. It's you know not always just a career honor, although it is that as well. Um, but uh, you, you can't uh, be coasting on things you did 10 years ago, winning <laughs> winning Can Lions in 1987, and then you're not going to end up on this list unless you're 
uh, you're still doing really relevant and fascinating stuff. Uh, and uh, as Co mentioned, uh, really honored, tremendously honored to have two of our two of our honorees today uh, joining the podcast. This is a list that includes a mix of. We've got you know celebrities, directors, uh, and then from the agency world, we have senior agency leaders, we have rising agency stars, global leaders. It's a tremendous mix. Uh, you know, definitely go to. It's way more than we have time to talk about today, uh, and that's not how we want to spend our our episode anyway. But you can go to adweek.com and check it out uh, to find all 100. It's actually like 128 or something because as as we're about to uh, find out, you know, often we uh, you know advertising is an industry where people often work in teams, and we. We don't like to break up those teams. And so today we've got a really amazing team here. Uh, Anthony O'Neill and Ronnie Castor from Goodby Silverstein Partners, where they are uh, a where they are associate creative directors. And I just wanted to point out that uh, really to their tremendous credit, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is the work that they've been doing uh, to help end police violence against black Americans. This is a topic that is not new to them. It is not something that has come about just because of the conversations in recent weeks. This is a topic they were already advancing in really powerful ways, and that is why months ago uh, we were already uh, you know, very excited to include them on this list. Anthony and Ronnie, thank you so much for making time for us today. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I wanted to I wanted first, to first uh, ask... Basically, you know, we are all experiencing a wide range of emotions um, as people of color, as humans, as people who are working through the industry and the pandemic and through social unrest. Um, how would you say you are doing on a scale of one to ten? What are the emotions that you're feeling this week and how intense are they? Let's start with you, Ronnie. Um, uh, thank you very much, Cole, for the, for the, for the question and having, for having us. Um, I mean, in terms of the range of emotions, we've been, Anthony and I have talked about it and it's, uh, you know, it, it's definitely grief. And so it comes in waves. And so it's, it changes by the day. It, it really changes by the hour. And, you know, we've been telling people that, but it's, it's so, it's so true. You know, I can be on a call with Anthony in the morning at uh, eight o'clock in the morning. We're just talking and, and we're both fine. And then by, 9:30 or 10 o'clock meeting like all of a sudden it's 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 uh we're not so fine and so um it, it ebbs and flows and it, and it and it comes in waves and you know uh george floyd wasn't uh you know related to me by blood i didn't know who he was before before his murder but you know it's it's had a a lasting effect on me yeah absolutely um and anthony what about you are you experiencing the same kind of ebbs and flows um is the anger part of your grief shown up are you fatigued i think all i think all the above i mean ronnie talked about it um i've been saying i don't know and idk like i really i really don't know how i feel from day to day today i check in with my emotions and i'm like i'm fine but maybe in a couple hours i'm not so fine so it does ebbs and flow you know as ronnie mentioned like we're not related by blood by any of the murders that have taken place over the last uh, a few me- weeks with Ahmad Ahmad Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and and George and George Floyd, but you know they're our brothers and sisters, and you know it's something that we live with. So when you know I can see something that can trigger me to be down, to really I don't know, but I mean it's it's kind of today I'm fine, right now I'm fine, but in a couple hours. Right, and you're talking to us, you know, and and you know you have to be kind of on, and I you know I think. There's been a lot of talk about how, you know, you have learned to be on um, when you have to, 
Um, so I appreciate both of your transparency in that. Uh, I want to go back to, you know, your very important work um, that has come after, you know, a lot of experience in this industry. Um, what I found on your LinkedIn profile, Anthony, in your about page, you said, create like you're creating for yourself. So how personal um, was this campaign? And um, can you tell us a little bit more background about it and walk us through um, how you two came together to work on it? Well, I think being black in America, you it's always it's it's always on the forefront. So it's like whether you're walking down the street, um, whether you're passing someone at night or, you know, you have your hands in your pockets and you're going into the store and you have to make eye contact with the store clerk. I think you live with it. So it was always there. Uh, just so happened one night, Ronnie and I, when we first came to uh, Goodby Silver City Partners, we were uh, roommates and it was kind of like a college experience. But you know, came in one one night, emptied my pockets, and uh, you know, I I looked at everything on the table and I said, man, any of these things, you know, me as a black man, any of these things could be a gun. And I just remember sitting there, and it was just, it was, it was a weird, it was a weird feeling. And I don't know what, I don't know if it was a full moon or whatever, but I had like this outer body experience with like this creative wave of just being like, what if this, what if this uh, phone. Is was seen as a gun, and I didn't get home safely. So I just kind of asked myself that question, and you know, I woke Ronnie up, and I was like, "Yo, man, like, what do you think about this?" And then he said, "Not a gun." So it kind of came when we, you know, as you live it, and then that night it just so happened that you know, asking the question that we probably ask ourselves every day, you know, am I am I okay? Am I going to get home safely? You may not say that, but I you we operate in that in that space every day. Ronnie, if you could walk us through the concept, uh, which is is really heartbreaking, but what, what I also think is fascinating is that this was not a brief. This is not a client coming to the agency and saying, we want some ideas to help address this. As Anthony was saying, this is an idea that came from you, and then that you then, if I understand right, and, and, and definitely tell us how it all came together, that you, you took it to a client and helped uh, bring it into the world. Yeah, I mean... Um... Like Anthony said, uh, this is something that we we live with, you know, on a on a daily basis. Being black men, um, you know, I'm 35, so I've lived with this for you know most of this understanding for most of my life, and you know, we we kind of rolled it around in our heads, like, okay, this phone isn't a gun, and and this other thing isn't a gun, and this candy bar isn't a gun, or Skittles for the Trayvon Martin case um, tragedy isn't isn't a gun, and so we thought to ourselves, you know, maybe we rebrand it to make it clearer for people because it's pretty absurd, right? To, to just all of a sudden assume somebody has a gun because of the, the color of their skin. So we, we, we decided to kind of flip things uh, on its ear and say, you know what, rather than, you know, tell people this is, this isn't a gun, we're going to market these things as not being a gun, just to clarify for a police officer, to clarify for, for anyone that, that, uh, you know, sees us, as a threat. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting because, um, not interesting, but you know, we, we started at Goodby in March, um, like early March, my birthday's in March. So that's, that's why I remember. And later that month in Sacramento, Stefan Clark was murdered by police officers, um, uh, in a backyard and, uh, he had a cell phone, which they thought was a gun. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, it was not too far from us, around two hours away. So we wanted to make sure that we that we actually, you know, put something out into the world to fight against, you know, tragedies like this that have been happening for t- for for way too long. 
And, you know, we didn't have a client, um, like you said, David, but uh, we were working with uh, Courageous Conversation, which they tend to work with, uh, you know, they've worked with other agencies, uh, uh, Glenn Singleton, who's, who's uh, the founder of um, uh, Courageous CCGF. He, uh, he, I believe, has an agency background, and, and uh, we approached... We approached uh, Glenn uh, with with the project, and he he kind of jumped at it uh, immediately. And so from then on, and this was again, this was 2018, and so there there wasn't a not a, there wasn't a lot of money uh, around it, and there was a lot of you know, you know, when you're dealing with police officers, you want to make sure that you have the right language, you want to make sure that you're not putting anybody in danger, you want to make sure that you're not condemning all police officers, but we still wanted to 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 the bring to bring the point forward, and. Um, you know, working with Glenn, he just allowed us to to be as provocative as we could be, and uh, and we wanted to to push the work, um, and so they were they were they are still to this day a, a great partner in this because you know, it's rare for you to feel something, and uh, and be able to put it out into the world, um, but it's it's interesting. I feel like Glenn feels many of the same things that we feel. So you know, a couple weeks back. Three weeks ago, we released uh, not a crime film in a response to the Ahmaud Aubrey uh, murder, um, and it's a simple film with just you know copy and, and it ends on the line, "Being black isn't a crime," um, and uh, and and we brought it to Glenn, and you know usually with clients it's like man, there's gonna we're gonna need to sell this through or whatever, and immediately it, it kind of touched them, and and we were able to put it out just like two days later, um, and so though it wasn't necessarily a client that um, that you know, we, we, we didn't necessarily create the, the work for a client uh, or didn't have a client in mind when we created it, uh, but it feels like we almost have like a kindred spirit in a way uh, with, with Glenn and, and, and Courageous because it feels like we're, we're parallel pathing, we're on the same line and, and, um, and, and, we, and we want the same things, which is just to save, to save lives in general, but right now um, to save black lives. I, I'm wondering if that uh, conversation uh, with Glenn and Courageous has continued or, um, you know, I love that you recognize the rarity of having to, you know, bring something forward. It comes from a place of um, authenticity and, and courage, um, you know, and knowing that Glenn has had like promoted and had Courageous as a platform for racial justice uh, since 1992. So are you hopeful that this kind of work, um, you know, that's not client driven, but community led, so to speak, um, can kind of continue and have a bigger voice in, in the time going forward? Let's start with you, uh, Anthony. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that the work that we're the work that we're creating, we've, we've always created a part of our, and since, since we got into the business and, um, we, we continue to make, we want to continue to make this work. I mean, having a, having a partner, uh, and courageous conversations and Glenn and working in the community and somebody that is there to, you know, kind of, uh, uncover those, those biases that we all live with. And I always say this, and, you know, it's like police officers are, our human beings are our community members before they become cops. So whatever they, whatever their upbringing, their training is, 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 has been brought in. So like when we talk about, you know, not a gun and not demonizing police officers, it's very important that we do that because you don't want to paint everybody with that. But I mean, having a solid partner uh, and courageous conversations and, you know, could be silver senior partners. Cause I mean, without us first,
us just being in our office, writing it in on on a wall, and then marching into uh, Jeff Goodby's office, and then getting the partners involved, and all those things. Like you know, it was it's a perfect marriage. So I mean, it's it's a bounce between agency and community. Um, it's a long answer, but I think it's like it it. It, it, it's a long answer. It took a long time to, to, to come out, but I think having a partner such as uh, Courageous Conversations is just going to uh, give us that platform. I mean, we always say being creatives um, is that ultimate platform for us to, you know, bring our full selves, not only for commerce, but for for social justice. Yeah, our colleague um, Doug Zanger collected um, a multitude of um, answers from his kind of questionnaire on how they thought the industry was responding um, or what needs to be done. Um, what are you guys hearing from um, your colleagues in the agency world about um, how the reaction has been, how the resources have been? Ronnie? Well, it's, I mean, I think overall it's been tough in terms of, you know, just for everybody, like, you know, are people, are, are agencies responding uh, soon enough? Are, are, are some agencies not responding enough? Are are, are people pushing their brands and their clients to do more? Are they not? I mean, it's it's interesting. We talk, we, we're in constant conversation with our buddies at other agencies. We don't we don't talk about what what the agencies are doing as much. We just kind of talk about how we're how we're feeling during this during this time. Um, what I've seen socially online, um, I think it's it's been um, inspiring overall. I think to say, you know, all these agencies are are. They're not just saying, "Hey, we're 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 against racism. Everybody's against racism." But to say that, you know, we we stand with George Floyd, or we stand with our black employees, or or to you know, some some brands are saying, you know, uh, white silence is violence, or or um, white silence is offensive. I think those those are the types of things that resonate with me because you're at least you at least have a point of view. You're at least are saying, "Hey, like we're not gonna." For, for for far too long um uh, this is this is going on for far too long and and we're we're making a stand right now and we're we're holding you know the police officers accountable but we're going to also hold ourselves accountable and i think that's the stuff that's that's important and i think the biggest thing for me is like the 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 agencies that are saying we're gonna change um we're gonna donate we're gonna support and we're gonna do what we can to internally look at what we're doing um, in, in terms of, you know, what's our diversity inclusion measures and, and practices and what do we do here and there to make, to, to, to make it, a, it's, it's going to sound corny, but to make it a better place for our, our African-American employees. But it's true. I think that's a, that's an important thing. So those are the things we're focusing on. I know there's some agencies that are lagging behind. I know there's some agencies that were kind of taking care of it early, but you know, for me, it's, it's, it's super important that you, you, you follow through on it no matter what you do. Yeah. That, that, that brings up uh, a point that, that we've heard quite a lot uh, when we talk to people uh, who, not necessarily for attribution, right? When you have a really earnest conversation with a lot of the people who have helped lead these conversations in the past, sometimes through work, like uh, what, what you two have done, have created at Goodby, uh, sometimes just sparking conversations online through social or trying to press those conversations with their leadership. And then there's a, a really understandable frustration right now of, you know, when, when those leaders come to their black employees, especially kind of some of the, the younger ones and say, what should we do? How should we solve this? And, and, you know, publicly you can say that that's great, but then also there's, 
you know, there's a lot of frustration out there about stop making me solve this. You know, it's basically like going to a victim and saying, how can we prevent crime? You know, it's and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, because that's something I've heard over and over again. And I 100 percent get it. And I get where some of these white agency leaders are, are coming from. But on the other hand, it does feel like there is this uh, just this, this frustration of stop making me solve a problem in which I am the victim. I mean, I agree. I mean, you know, it's uh it's tough because I mean I think you're we're always in the headspace of like trying to open the door as wide as it as it as it can as it can be for people like us that wear the same skin as us, male or female, to walk through and not go through the things that we had had to go through. But you know, I I think being in the room, you know, does help, you know, and you know, when you're when you're grieving, sometimes that raw emotion, um, and I like to always leave with that raw emotion, like uh, to be very transparent, like, I'm not going to fix this for you, but I'm going to, you know, be a voice in the room and in the fight, you know, so to sit silently, you know, that's a, you know, some days I don't want to talk about it. Some days I want to, I want to, you know, change, change the world with in, in one meeting, but it takes time and it takes follow through. So, you know, it is hard to be in the room at times and, you know, you have to be, you have to be aware of your emotions, when to pull, yourself out of it. And then so that you're not just fully just unloading on someone, but it's important that we're, we're in the room when, 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 you know, you have something to say. Yeah. And and even to, to piggyback on, on that. And, you know, David, I think, you know, I think it's, it's, it's so crazy because I feel like both people are right. You know, like white, our white counterparts are trying to find out they clearly are saying to themselves, okay, I've been quiet for far too long. How do I help? And then they go, you know, to people like us, they go to black folks and we're like, we're not here to solve your problems. And we're right too. And I think in the end, the reality is like, they need to seek, they need to seek how to, how to solve their problems and how to, how to, you know, they need to learn in terms of how to be a good ally, but they don't necessarily, they, they're not going to learn from us. I think that's why people are crying out for, for white people to talk to white people, for 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 non-black people to talk to non-black people, and and have that conversation and say this is this is you know this is how to be a good ally, and it's you know we can point to some people and say, and I, there are people in my you know in in both of our lives that we can say like those they're they're good you know non-black uh, allies, and you know and and we love them for it, and it's just like you know see those people as as examples, see those people. Um, and talk to them and ask them questions or go online. To be honest, like you can go on social media right now, and you can find so many different sources, uh, so many different things, have so many different conversations with, with, with other people and, and point out, and they can point out to you when you're, when, you're, when you're not being an ally or if you're even being just plain racist. And so to your point, like it's, it's like, to be honest, like black folks for far too long have been telling the world about this issue for this, about this problem. And if you ask me, you know, that's not to say that, you know, some black folks won't give you an answer. But if they say I'm, I'm tired of giving you answers, I think they're well, they're, they're well uh, in their right to do so. Right. right. Re- respect that boundary. And I, um, yeah. there are so many easy resources out there. Um, a friend in my community, Ebony Williams, has all the links available where you can go on Amazon or Netflix or wherever to do that. Um, Anthony, did you want to add something to that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Ronnie brings up a good point. It's like, you know, if I don't, if I don't feel like saying something, that's okay. Like, but I hope that I say something to you 
that makes you have the uncomfortable conversation. So if I can put you in in a position to think about the words you use and the thing and the decisions that you make, and then like maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had in a text thread uh, with with you know, and I'm talking about our white counterparts, or you know, like that they aren't silent in those small discussions. I think a couple of years ago when uh, Trump was elected, people were having really like Thanksgiving wasn't Thanksgiving, right? And because people were having very uncomfortable conversations and people were unfollowing people. And, you know, that's what you, you want to do. Like, I, you know, sometimes you're just like, you know, I, I you know, some days you're just like, uh, don't come with me with that. Like, you can't walk the line. Like today you're, you're either for, you're against. And so I just, you know, there's a long answer, but I just think like, I want to make you feel uncomfortable or be informed enough that you go back and you have uh, a really transparent, honest conversations with your friends and family members. Yeah, have those um, examples um, of action um, uplifted you? What's kind of kept your spirits up this week? Uh, I think the things that kept me, I mean, don't go on, don't go on social media. The first thing, uh, put on some good music, watch Rick and Morty. You know, those are the things that I've, I've been doing. I haven't been successful all the time. Like, you know, your, your phone goes off and it's a meeting and then all of a sudden you're on Instagram. So like, that's kind of the world that you live in. It's like, man, my phone's going off reminding me I have a meeting, but there's Instagram. Let me go on Instagram real quick. And that's where you, you start, you know, feeding your head with all the realities that, that are outside. So you know, I've been listening, trying to listen to good music, doing some personal development, um, watching Rick and Morty um, and just working out. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I would say working out is kind of like it's it's anything away from social media, anything away from from the subject of, you know, uh, systemic racism or, or, or George Floyd. And it's not to say we're blinding ourselves to it, you know, or, or guarding ourselves away from it. But, you know, if you're up for 16 hours a day. You know, 14 of those feels like they're filled with just just this information. Um, you need to break away from time to time. So I, I try to like, you know, go on a walk or, you know, two different walks a day where I just kind of I live in Oakland and, um, you know, I live near Lake Merritt. And, uh, you know, we just uh, I, I try to walk the lake every day just to kind of clear my head uh, on this. But I mean, you you always find yourself back into it, you know, and I think it's 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 tough, but I think we we need to kind of digest as much information as we can um to just, you know, I think I think give us the 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 I don't know, I think the the reinforcements to keep talking about this. I think the more we talk about it, um the 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 closer we get to to finding a solution. I know there's multiple solutions. It's not just going to be one solution to this, but there has to be a solution. Well, I would love to thank you both again for joining. Congratulations on being on this year's Creative 100. Uh, very well earned. We didn't even get get into all the other accounts you work on, Golden State Warriors and so much other work, uh, but uh, we'll use that as a teaser to drive people <laughs> to go read the article, read all about Ronnie and Anthony and the work they've been doing at Goodby. Uh, and thank you both so much for making time for us. Oh, thank you very much for you know allowing us to have this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having us. I really appreciate um the work that you do and um, just just who you are as people. And um, I, I really admire your honesty in this conversation. And um, I'll be thinking about you guys as we, you know, move forward um, in the industry and, and as, a, as Americans. As a parting note, there's an asteroid, stadium-sized asteroid circling the Earth this weekend. So, you know. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Let's yes. let's uh 
let's make the rest of 2020 just yes. as insane. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but thanks for having us. Appreciate you guys. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and we, uh, again, everyone should go to adweek.com, check out this year's Creative 100 to learn about Anthony and Ronnie and many more. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and then when we're back, uh, we're going to play a special part of uh, a chunk from one of our other podcasts. If you've not listened to Adweek's uh, DNI TBD podcast, which is focused on diversity and inclusion, uh, we had we handed off the mic this week to uh, some of our favorite hosts of another podcast. We're going to play you a little bit of that uh, so that you can get a because it was a fantastic conversation, uh, much like this one. And I want to make sure everyone checks it out. So we're going to take a break and then we'll be right back. Are you an Adweek Pro member? If so, we hope you've been enjoying unlimited access to Adweek content, including special reports on the future of marketing's hottest categories. If you're not an Adweek Pro member, now's the perfect time to join. We've got a ton of amazing member-only events and resources on the way, and you won't want to miss them. Your employer might even be interested in covering the cost of your membership. Visit adweek.com offer to find our current special offer for new Adweek Pro members. That's adweek.com offer. All right, we're back. And uh, before we close out this week's episode, I did, as I mentioned before the break, want to uh, give you a little slice of another podcast uh, that Adweek does. If you've not listened to Adweek's D&I TBD podcast, you should definitely check it out. It's D&I TBD. It's about diversity and inclusion. Uh, and it's uh, it's kind of almost like a radio show about uh, the topics around diversity and advertising, where they cross over with advertising, marketing, and media. It's a great show. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I work here. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It's more topical than ever. And uh, this week we uh, handed, we basically passed the mic over to uh, two of our favorite podcast hosts from another show, Mixed Company. If you're not listening to Mixed Company, you should. Uh, you probably will recognize uh, the hosts if you are active in some of the discussions around, especially around diversity in uh, advertising. Kai Devereaux Lawson and Simeon Coker uh, were very kind enough to guest host this week's episode of DNI TBD. And uh, just wanted to play you a little bit of that so you can get a taste of the conversation. It's very honest, uh, very candid, and uh, it is exactly what we expected and wanted from them. We gave them no real guidelines except to just talk about. Uh, kind of after the death of George Floyd, the protests and uh, some of the movements within the industry to make uh, advertising and marketing uh, address diversity better, address the treatment of black Americans better. So here is some of that conversation. Not even halfway through the year. And there are, multi, there are hundreds, but three people on the news already that we've seen uh, being the victim of violence. And in addition to experiencing that, uh, we're also still in the midst of, of COVID-19 yes. and experiencing the trauma of having to, to change our way of life, our lifestyles, our approach to how we engage with people. Um, we, as many of you may know, Black and Latino people are extremely more impacted uh, or quite frankly die more of the virus um, than other than other demographics within the United States. And on top of having to protect, physically protect your life from and fight disease and physically protect your life and have to fight poverty, that comes with a lot of the people that are losing their jobs because of COVID-19. We have a series of people, we have a series of people who now have to protect their mental health because the, uh, the addition of, of the traumatic images 
that we receive of Black bodies being violated is also something that's compounded. And then also, if I do go outside, do I have to do I have to pray that I'm not violently harassed by police? So it's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot going on with Black people, and it's a lot going on with Black people who work in our industry. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you, you started off like that because uh, all these issues are compounded. Um, we're, we're in the middle of this pandemic, and I'll, I'll start by speaking for, for myself. Uh, the mental tax and str- stress that this moment in time has put on me as just a human person, mm-hmm. um, starting with the pandemic of not being able to to care for family members the way that I would like to um, and trying to manage elderly parents from a distance in the middle of a pandemic like that, that stress alone is is stress and we still have to make money and we still have to go to work. Um, But then when we start to bring in these recent murders, I think, and and, um, terroristic acts, because that's what I call the Amy Cooper one, um, that kind of took me out for the last couple of days. And we, you know, you and I text last week and I was like, I can't do shit. Like I'm not in a, in a headspace of going to any online conference or doing anything outside of the essential things that I need to do to, um, to, to eat. Uh, because this time I think it was, there was something extremely uh, triggering about what happen, especially with the Ahmaud Arbery, because running is something that I do, right? right. I'm, I'm a runner. And one of the things that I do wherever I travel to, uh, and we're both avid travelers, is the morning that I wake up, I go for a run. I go and I go explore places that I've never been before. It's, it's an easy way to kind of sightsee. And being curious while you're doing that, um, I may just roll up on some some piece of property and be curious about it. So to see that this black man was doing something that I do very casually and it resulted in him being hunted down um, like an animal basically uh, and losing his life. That kind of put me in a headspace of what the fuck is going on and, and what can I do? And I think for a lot of us who were stuck inside in that moment, the, the hopelessness was basically, basically became a, a cloud over our heads because it was like, well, what can we do in this moment when we're supposed to be inside trying to protect ourselves? And it, it felt hopeless. So, you know, in the context of this show, and I don't want to skip ahead, I think that's where, you know, looking for responses from agencies and brands became extremely crucial. And, you know, the first episode that we recorded uh, when the pandemic started, you know, we talked about this need for leadership. We talked about wanting to be able to look someplace for some sort of, of hope or some sort of strategy. And so to be here again, three years later. There's a lot of things that have changed, and I think that they're very impactful. And if you, you as an ally, as a person who may not have felt as comfortable in 2016, but you have acquired all of the all of your ally tools and your toolbox and you've been using them, I want you to know that it it is seen. You mm-hmm. are seen and you are appreciated for what you've done. 
Um, but we wouldn't be mixed company if we weren't here to talk about the shit that you really need to know, right. which is what else do you need to do? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's the important shit too, right? There is that, uh, using the tools and not just talking about the tools or calling yourself an ally. Thank you again to Kai and Simeon for guest hosting this week's episode of DNI TBD. You can find DNI TBD on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Same for Mixed Company, uh, their podcast, which is great and uh, can't say enough about it. That's it for this week's episode. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode was produced by Co M uh, and edited by Lane McGivney. Uh, you can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. And if you haven't left us a review already on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, it would mean a lot to us and it would help new listeners discover the show. Uh, for Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.